Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Worship Center in Brighton, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit faithworshipcenter.org. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem... Be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That was about nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that. But this is that. Which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy." I'd like to minister to you today on the topic, the gift of the spirit. And at the conclusion of this message, we will be opening up the front for those who need to be filled in the Holy Spirit and refilled in the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the spirit. Would you pray with me here this morning? Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. And God, I ask that you would anoint me to minister your word to those here, to those watching by live stream, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this gift of the Holy Spirit is for all who will believe, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Lord, we ask that you would have your way in this place here today, Lord, that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen Amen. and amen. I believe that the church in the book of Acts is the blueprint for the church of today. I believe that the book of Acts is a manual for how we ought to conduct church in 2022. Now, the early church, it was birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came to those who were gathered on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all, can somebody say all? 
That word all in the Greek, it means all. It means every single one without the exception of any. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so the church, it was birthed in the power of the Spirit of God. The church was birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told the disciples back in Acts chapter 1, he said in, 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 verse, uh, in verse 5, he said, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days Hence, and in verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so Jesus told the apostles in the book of Acts, he said, before you go out and preach, before you go out and heal the sick, before the lame receive their healing, he told them, you shall receive power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me and Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, the Bible tells us here that those who were onlooking, that they thought that they were drunk because the languages, the unknown, unknown languages that they were speaking uh, weren't making sense. And so they thought, you know, maybe, maybe they've been drinking and Peter had to stand up and say, they are not drunk as you suppose. This was a supernatural work of the spirit of God. This was a supernatural manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the church, it began in power and the early apostles they walked in the power of God and you see throughout the book of Acts you see the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them and and the unction and the boldness and the anointing to preach the gospel I believe that the greatest purpose in the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to make you an effective witness for Jesus Christ it's supernatural power gives you an unction to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ now there are many uh, benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I've, I've shared it before that I believe that we as believers that we should uh, not seek after tongues, but we should seek after the power of the Holy Spirit. And the evidence that one has received the power of the Holy Spirit is that they will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I've used the illustration before. I know some of y'all like the illustration of a pair of shoes. When you go and you purchase a pair of shoes... You don't walk into that shoe store and say, let me see if I can find the shoes with the nicest tongues on it, and then I'm going to get those shoes. You don't buy the shoes for the tongues. The tongues just come with the shoes. And it's the same way with speaking in tongues when you seek God for the power of the Holy Spirit. The initial physical evidence will be speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Now, some teach that the work of regeneration happens at the same time as the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They believe that the moment you get saved, uh, the, the, the work of regeneration takes place. They think that the infilling of the Holy Spirit takes place at the same time, but you see throughout the word of God that it is a separate work of grace.
But the early church, they started off in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then the church went through something that we refer to as the Dark Ages, where uh, the Roman Catholic Empire ruled over and had its vices really upon this globe. And then you're familiar with the story of Martin Luther and how Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the Roman Catholic Church. And he really, what Martin Luther did was he brought the message of justification by faith back to the church world on a large scale. I believe that God always had a remnant, but it was the, the church world as a whole had gotten caught up in works for righteousness and works for salvation. And so God used Martin Luther as a reformer to bring the message of justification by faith back to the church world. And then when you fast forward to the beginning of the 20th century, you have, there were multiple people that God used. One was Charles Parham and another was William Seymour. Now, Charles Parham and William Seymour were both very critical in the birth of the Pentecostal movement as we know it today. Charles Parham, he was one that preached on the power of the Holy Spirit. He believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. He believed in speaking in tongues. And there was a man by the name of William Seymour. He was an African-American from Louisiana. I moved up from Louisiana. William Seymour is proof that good things can come out of Louisiana. Amen. And William Seymour, he, he was blinded in one eye from smallpox, and, and he, was, he was a student of uh, Charles Parham. And, and this was a time, it was really a dark time in our nation when there was great racial segregation in, in the churches even and in the, in the nation, which is, was always ungodly. And, and William Seymour, he, he, he did not allow those circumstances to, to prevent him uh, from seeking after God, and, and he could have become bitter and rightfully so, but he kept his heart pure before God. And, and he would listen to Charles Parham preaching on the baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit. The, things were so mixed up back then that, that they made him listen from, from the hallway. And, and God began to do a work in William Seymour. And God began to stir up his heart and, and give him a desire for the baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit, and to, and to preach on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he received an invitation out in California to come and pastor a church in, in California. And they, they sent him his, his train fares to, to, for him to travel there. And he, and he gets there and they're ready for him to come and pastor. And, and, and William Seymour, he comes and he begins preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues. And then all of a sudden that church there, they got a little uncomfortable and they began to realize that, that he believed in the power of the Holy Spirit spirit and the, he believed in speaking in tongues. I, I believe that God could have used that church uh, to pour out his Holy Spirit, but because they were so staunch in religion, uh, they, they locked William Seymour out of the church. And so here's William Seymour. He traveled all the way to Los Angeles, California. He believed that God had led him to California. He believed that the Spirit of God had led, them, led him to California. And here he is locked out of the church. And, and again, he takes takes this opportunity to seek the face of God. And he was welcomed into a home, and, and in that home, he, he didn't know what to do but just to pray and seek after the Lord. He was praying between five to seven hours a day. Him and the individual who lived at that house, they would pray and they would fellowship. And he was just hungry for the, the Holy Spirit. He had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he said, I see it. 
I believe it and that settles it. Sometimes, even when we have not yet experienced something, we have to come to a place where we say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And so William Seymour, he said, I'm not going based off of what I see. I'm not going, I'm not going based off of what I've yet to experience. I'm going based off of the word of Almighty God. It's right in the book. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And so he was seeking God, and he was even praying for other people to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And even though he had not yet received it, there were individuals that he prayed for that received the power of the Holy Spirit. And he continued to seek after God and he began, he continued to cry out to God. And then one night, William Seymour got baptized in the Holy Ghost, got baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to preach with an unction. And, the, and, the, and I've been to the location where the Azusa Street Revival began, which was on uh, 214 Bonnie Brace Street. And, and they, the Spirit of God, God began to pour out His Spirit. And uh, so much to the point that where they were preaching, they were preaching on a porch and it got so crowded with people that the porch actually collapsed. And, uh, you know, there were other uh, revivals that were taking place. There was the, the Welsh revival uh, and other revivals. It was pretty much like a spark, but it never really caught fire until the Azusa Street Revival. When you read about revivals like the Welsh revival, you know, they, they say that, that what God did in, in the Welsh revival was so incredible and left such an imprint, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that they would actually use mules to, to, to pull the coal out of the out of the mines and and those mules were so trained to hear those teammates uh, the, those team workers uh, yelling and cussing at the mules that they actually had to retrain the mules because the mules weren't used to it the, the mules were used to hearing cussing and, and rage and so they actually had to retrain the mules because the spirit of God was changing their hearts and changing their lives and taking out the vulgarity and taking out the cussing and and the spirit Spirit of God was making them more like Jesus. You see, the Spirit of God isn't there just to give you goosebumps. The Spirit of God isn't there just to make you speak in tongues. The Spirit of God is there to empower you and to make you more like Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, you can speak in tongues and that's great, but uh, it doesn't help if you speak in tongues, but then you're rude in English and you cuss in English. The, the Spirit of God is there to change you. The Spirit of God is there to make you more like Jesus. And so you look at the imprints of these different uh, revivals. And even the Azusa Street Revival was happening uh, just after a great earthquake that took place in San Francisco that caused thousands of lives to, to be taken as a result. And so people were desperate. People uh, were hungry. And William Seymour, he was a very humble man. One thing that drew people to William Seymour was his character and his humility. He was not somebody that would be quick to be offended. He was somebody that had a very humble, meek spirit, and it, and it drew people. And they would go into 312 Azusa Street. It wasn't an impressive building. It was a building that had caught fire before. In fact, they said that you could see, still see the marks on the wall from where it had caught on fire in the past. It was used uh, as a stable. It was not an impressive-looking building. They say it was actually pretty tough to look at. But there was, a, there was a group of people that were hungry for the Spirit of 
God. And William Seymour, he would go in there and they actually, they had wooden crates that they would use as a pulpit. And William Seymour, he would, he would bury himself under those crates and just seek after God. And they said that every service was different. When they walked in the, into the into Azusa Street Revival, every service was different. You never knew what was going to happen. Oftentimes, the morning services would blend into the evening services. They just had a group of people that were hungry for, for the power of God. And you had critics, you had skeptics. And what's amazing is that God will take what the devil meant for evil and he'll turn it around and use it for his glory. And so as God was pouring out his Holy Spirit through the Azusa Street Revival, the uh, Los Angeles Times and other uh, newspapers of that day would actually write newspaper articles criticizing what was happening on, at, at 312 Azusa Street. And they thought that by doing that, that they were going to hinder what was happening. But all it did was help spread the word around the world. And then people said, hey, something is happening at 312 Azusa Street. And I've got to go and find out what's happening. Hallelujah. Uh, there were Baptist preachers. There were preachers of all different denominations that would go in there and try to disqualify what was happening. But when they walked in, they'd be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they would be changed and they would be transformed by the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All of the major Pentecostal denominations out there, Assemblies of God and Foursquare and Church of God in Christ, all of those denominations came from the Azusa Street Revival. And the Azusa Street Revival has literally resulted in hundreds of millions of people all around this world baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet. Joel. He said, I shall, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Hallelujah. That word pour, it literally means to gush out. Hallelujah. It's like a, a water dam that, 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 that holds back the water. And when that water dam, it collapses, it's not going to be a trickle, but it will burst out. He said, I will pour out of my spirit. He said, upon all flesh. That means this gospel is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It's not just for the United States. This is an American gospel. It's an African gospel. It's a Russian gospel. It's a Chinese gospel. It's an Asian gospel. This gospel shall go into all the world as a witness to the nations. And then the end shall come. You shall receive power. Hallelujah. You shall receive power. I feel that this morning. Hallelujah. You shall receive power. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus told the disciples in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49 that he would endue them, meaning to clothe them with power from on high. And when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes to indwell inside of your heart. The Bible says that you become a temple of God, and the Spirit of God now dwells inside of you. And so that's the first work that takes place. But there's a second work of grace that follows after that, and that's the infilling, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled 
with the Spirit of God. Anytime you see words like filled, baptized, clothed with power from on high, the Holy Ghost came upon them, all of those words are synonymous with that second work of grace, the infilling of the Spirit of God. And you see that the initial physical evidence that one has been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is that they will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Now, some think that if God wants me to speak in tongues... And if God wants me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then he'll force me to do that. You see, God never forces us to do anything. If he forced us to get filled in the Holy Spirit, then he would force this whole world to get saved. It says, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And so God will not override our free will. It takes you believing and asking and receiving everything that God has for you. And that ought to be your heart. God, if it's in your book and it's for me, I want everything that you have for me. Hallelujah. I remember soon after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and was invited, it was actually to a Baptist college uh, discussion where they discussed all sorts of different topics. And two of my Baptist friends actually invited me there. And, you know, basically the way it was set up is uh, somebody would bring up a topic and then they would discuss it. And then the youth pastor would give his final thoughts. And so uh, one of the, it was the very first question that was asked by somebody. It was about speaking in tongues as the spirit gives utterance. And the youth pastor, he said, before I give my comments, is there anybody here who would like to say anything? (laughs) And so I said, yes, I would. I said, I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking with other tongues. And I have seen literally without exaggeration thousands of people baptized in the Holy Spirit around this world with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And this individual, he made up his mind already. He said, well, I can tell you by the end of this discussion, uh, we're not going to agree. That's fine. But the whole night ended up being a, uh, being a discussion on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And people started asking questions and people started challenging the doctrine of cessationalism, which teaches that the gift of tongues and the gifts of the Spirit ceased at the times of the early apostles' died or that it ceased at the culmination of scripture, of the canon of scripture. They began to ask questions because things weren't lining up. And then following that night, I was getting uh, questions, having people come up. I was getting messages on social media. But I remember there was one guy that came up to me right after the service and, and he was probably the most critical of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit throughout that night. And he came up to me and he said, I, I just want to apologize to you if I came off as critical. I said, I'm not offended, but I said, I want to ask you a question. I said, what would you do if you walked into a church and you saw hundreds or you saw thousands of people, hands lifted to God, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance? What would you think about that? He said, well, I don't think I would ever see that. I said, well, my brother, we're past that because it is happening all around the globe. There have literally been hundreds of millions of people around this world baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And the Bible says, in the book of Zechariah to ask the Lord for the rain in the time of the latter rain. Yes. In Israel, you have primarily two main rainy seasons. You have the, the 
former rain, and then you had the latter rain, and in between the former rain and the latter rain, you'd have these small sporadic uh, rains, but it was mostly the former rain and the latter rain. And you see the same thing in church history. The former rain began to get poured out on the day of Pentecost, and then you see throughout the church age, you see that, that God would move, and there would be, there would be revivals here and there, but it, it, it were, they were just sporadic rains here and there. But I believe that during the Azusa Street Revival that God began to pour out the latter rain. If the Azusa Street Revival didn't start the latter rain, then I don't know whatever could, because literally hundreds of millions of people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter said, this is that. Peter did not say this was that. He said this is that, present tense. And he said that the gift of the Holy Spirit, he said, is for you and for your children and for those who are far off. And he said, for even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He was saying this isn't just for the Jews. This is for the Gentiles. This isn't just for the men. This is for the women. This isn't just for the old. This is for the young. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're never too old and you're never too young to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And all you have to do is believe and receive it. Hallelujah. There's nothing that we can do to work for it. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. Everything we receive of from God comes simply by faith. Hallelujah. It was a gift of grace. And the Bible says that if earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Bible tells us that we have not because we ask not. Have you asked God for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? One dear sister came up to me and, you know, older, and she said that she had never received the Holy Spirit. And she said, to be honest, that she didn't really desire it. And she's never asked God for it. And she said, am I wrong for that? And I said, absolutely. Anything from God, anything in, in this book, we ought to ask God for it. We desire it. We should desire it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's many different benefits, and, and we won't have time today to go through all the benefits of, of speaking in tongues, but there's a twofold purpose in speaking in tongues. Now, you notice here that there's 120 of them that were present and that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. So what was happening here on the day of Pentecost? What was happening was that they were magnifying God. It was a prayer language. It was a Spirit of God giving them the utterance. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through them. It was a prayer language inspired by the Spirit of God. It wasn't for the purpose of edifying other people. It was for the purpose of personal edification. Paul said that when he speaks in tongues, he said he edifies himself. So number one, speaking in tongues, when you pray in that prayer language, it brings personal edification. The second purpose of speaking in tongues is for the edification of the body, and that follows with an interpretation. And so there are two purposes. If this here, if the tongues here was for the purpose of edifying others and not themselves, then the early church would have been out of order. And so that's not what the purpose of this was for. They were magnified Magnifying God. They were, they, they were giving glory to God through that heavenly, through that prayer language. Now, when God fills you in the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned, he will not force you to speak in tongues, uh, but you cannot speak two languages at the same time. You cannot speak in English 
and an unknown language at the same time. So when the spirit of God begins to move on the inside of you and begins to stir out, sometimes you'll just sense a couple words and, and sentences, and then you just begin to speak out what you sense and feel in your spirit, and then it just begins to flow like a river. We say it like this, that we start it, but he finishes it. You have to yield your faculties, you have to yield your mouth, you have to yield your tongue because it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of God who's giving the utterance, it's the Spirit of God that's speaking through you. Jude said that when you pray in the Spirit, that you build yourself up in the most holy faith and that you keep yourself in the love of God. And so when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, not only is it building up your faith, I couldn't tell you how many times I was flying to a foreign nation, flying to uh, Africa or flying to Europe uh, or wherever the case by myself. And, and, and you get on that plane and you wonder, God, you know, am I going out on a limb? Are you really with me? And then I would just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost uh, on that plane, begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. And God would just refresh me and remind me I am with you wheresoever that you go. Hallelujah. And so the Spirit of God. He brings rest. He brings refreshment. He brings strength. Hallelujah. He said with stammering lips and an unknown tongue all the way back to the Old Testament. With stammering lips and an unknown tongue will I speak unto my people. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it is for today. I believe that it is God's will for every born again child of God to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I like what my friend evangelist Jason Stidham said. Some people will say, well, Jesus didn't speak in tongues. Well, are you Jesus? Okay, then. Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. Jesus had perfect communion with the Father. And it was after Jesus ascended to heaven that God sent 50 days after the resurrection. He sent the power of the Holy Spirit for the church today because God knew that we needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Singers and musicians can come back here this morning. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. When you look at statistics of the power of the Holy Spirit, they say, if these are correct, that about 75% of people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit weren't even at church when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, none of us are able to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus is the baptizer and the Holy Spirit. And the pattern that you see throughout Scripture is the laying on of hands. Throughout the book of Acts, you would see that they would lay hands on people. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible says that those in Samaria, that Peter and John laid hands on them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. It said that they were water baptized, they were already saved, they were already born again, but that the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon them. And the Bible says that they laid hands on them and that the Holy Ghost came upon them, that they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands that the Holy Ghost was given, that he tried to purchase the gift with money. And what tells us, what that tells us, the fact that Simon saw tells us that there was an initial physical evidence that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that based off the rest of scripture, the re that evidence was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. We're going to do that song in a moment, Open the Floodgates of Heaven. I'd like for you to stand to your feet here today. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Marty, Brother Greg to come up.
And we want to pray for those of you here. Maybe you've never received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you would say, I'm saved, I'm born again, but I've not yet received the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, and I want that gift today. Maybe you would say that I received the Holy Spirit years ago, but over the years, I've gotten dried up on the inside, and I don't feel that river flowing like, like I once did. And you would say that you need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. We want to pray for you as well this morning and believe God to refill you in the Holy Spirit. And so as they do this song, I want to open up the front. And I'd like for you to step out into the aisle to come up here to the front. And we want to pray for you and believe God to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah.